triple zeros. I'm your host, Josh Buckhalter. Follow me on Twitter at Joshy Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports. Website is clockersports.com and the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. We kick off tonight's show talking about baseball. No, you're not going crazy. No, I'm not losing my mind. Uh, we are talking about baseball and the reason why is because there was some, uh, a major decision made today that can have a big ripple effect on the rest of the sports world and that was having the Mar- uh, Florida Marlins team 14 members of the team, I believe, 11 players and three staff members, if I have that makeup proper, um, came down with positive tests. They had their game against the uh, Phillies canceled and the Yankees against the Phillies game was canceled. Now, the, what makes this interesting is that they knew that the pitcher had come down positive and the players voted, not MLB, but the players voted to play the game against the Phillies anyway. That's a problem. Because that's clearly not following any type of protocol. This is an issue that's going to have an effect. Now, or in contrast, you have the NBA who has everything under a bubble. But for a league like the NFL, which is kind of, as I've been saying, letting things kind of play out as it happens and just rolling with the punches, that might not be the best way to go about things. You don't have the control over what these guys are doing. And clearly we see that it ends up having a negative impact, uh, not only on those teams, but on other teams because, Again, these guys have been moving around for a couple of days now, and it's obviously impacted another series, not just their own. We'll, they'll probably try to make those games up. If it's one one team, uh, one instance, not going to overreact right now, but it is a cautionary tale and something to be watchful of. As again, like I said, with the NFL coming up and not having done much of their own and trying to contain anything, is more or less uh, trusting players and teams to be responsible on their own and then get into their own facilities and kind of keep things locked down in that regard. Uh, but as I said, the NBA doesn't have to really have to worry about that problem, or do they? Switching over to them to the, what we really got here for the meat and potatoes. Um, so the NBA does have their bubble down in Orlando, but that doesn't mean that everybody's really following. We talked last time about Dwight Howard not wearing his mask and getting tattled on. You know, he was complaining about the snitch line, which I don't blame him. You know, if y'all are in there, they, I, it's probably the, the place that you don't need to have it. And I believe he was saying that he was being talked about, or he was being snitched on when he didn't even have anybody around him that just baffles me to this day the people who wear it in their car by themselves or walking around jogging whatever alone i mean alone alone with it on that's funny anyway i digress uh he's not the only one though and is not the only member of a team in la who's being having issues with the the snitch line or with the, the rules of being locked down now multiple members of the los angeles clippers were absent from the bubble not too long ago Will, pat bev um, Lou Williams, Pat Beverly, and Montrez Harrell all had to leave for varying reasons, personal reasons, legit reasons. Um, however, Lou Williams was outed on Instagram for being at Magic City in the VIP section. Now, that's bad enough, but the person who outed him was Jack Harlow, who apparently is a rapper. And yeah, that's that's all I got to say about that. I mean, Lou, you got to do better than that, man. You can't get outed in the, you like that. That's how you got popped, bro. You you leave to go to Atlanta for a funeral, which no one has has disputed, but you get popped off in Magic City by Jack with Jack Harlow. Like what? Come on, man. We got to do better than that. Um, what makes it even worse is that Kendrick Perkins, who has been made it kind of his thing of late to go a little harder on, on certain players, on certain teams that are going against other certain teams. This is an L.A. versus L.A. reference, in case you were having an issue picking that up. <laughs> Not so subtle, right? Well, 
Perk was calling Lou out, talking about he was immature. It's a shame that there are rookies who are more mature than him. And he did an entire rant uh, on TV. And Lou Will, Lou Will responded, saying, you know, 15 years in the league and this is all you got. Stop it. You know, saying some anything and told him stop trying to act cool when he sees him in public. And Pat Bear responded as well, saying, you know, knock it off, Perk, basically. And he has uh, Lou Will's number. He should just call him. But here's the thing. It's twofold. First of all, Perkins is now an analyst, and as a former player, I could see how they would take a little bit of, you know, they would have to take umbrage with him going out here and kind of airing him out. It's kind of like going against your guys, right? But on the same side, he's now a media member, and how many times have they had to go against a media member for calling them out or being a little bit too harsh in their in their eyes? This isn't a surprise in either regard. So now to see it be uh, – Going at him publicly and him going as hard as it's really not that hard. It's just I, maybe he is trying to separate himself a little bit, but I don't think he's necessarily doing it more than any other hot take artist out there. It's just because he played. Now, you want to talk about his 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 hot takes being slanted? That's a whole other story. And I say that because look, I tweeted it out, man. Perk out here having the, the two the not the most important, but two very important Clippers distracted talking to him now this is a lot of time between now and any type of playoff format that's not the point they are here focusing on on tweets and lou will out here sneaking they're already distracted according to the social media mob because you know that's how that works once they see you out no you're gonna lose because you're not paying attention even though this is weeks before we get to a championship that's not the point i just don't i, I you're not focused you got you you're responding not only are you out here dipping out to magic city which is funny because he left orlando to go to magic city Basketball joke. Bas- basketball dad joke. That's like the worst combination ever. Bad basketball dad joke is what you just had there. Anyway, uh, but now you guys are focusing on the analyst. A former player, yes, but an analyst. And you're responding to it. And I get it. They do it all the time and it's nothing. But damn it, if Perk ain't out here distracting the enemy. That I tweeted that clutch check, but it's clear. You better clear it because he doing his job. That's heavy lifting right there, man. Two for one? Two for one off of something that they did, and really you can't be mad at anybody. That's what else is funny about it, is the reaction to Lou Will stepping out to go and get some wings. Sean Holmes did the same thing. Again, this is we're, we're a ways away before they start playing meaningful meaningful games. They'll have their eight-seeding games, but like playoffs, the Clippers are making the playoffs, right? They're not going to not make the playoffs, so... I think that kind of is an overreaction to the backlash that he's kind of facing for stepping out to go get some quote unquote. He said he said he was going to get wings. That's what he said. He and people were defending him all over the socials, talking about you know if you know anything about him and you follow him, you would know that he is a, a fan and he, he people from Atlanta do that a lot. Listen, whatever the case may be, uh, I just don't know you know. It's it, you already left. He'd already left, so there, there's no reason to be surprised that he like he was going to have to quarantine anyway. No, that's what's so weird about it. I think that's that's what really throws me off. But again, Perk's going to make the the wild uh, not accusations, but he's going to take the hard line stance, and players are going to probably be shocked because they're like, "Oh my gosh, you were you were one of us. How can you?" And he, he over here like, "Look, checks got to clear, clutch checks got to clear." <laughs> Uh, and, and a little bit more happy news, uh, Kyrie Irving has announced that he will be donating $1.5 million to WNBA players who opt out of the season, be it for social justice or health reasons. We talked about uh, a few players stepping out, but 
more we celebrated my more a few episodes back, but for this purpose, um, you had players opting out for health or, or for social justice reasons. Kyrie will be donating one point five million dollars to their cause or to them. Now that might not seem a lot like a lot, and hopefully other players will help join in. But I don't know if anybody saw Liz Cambridge's tweet about how like refs are making more than players in the WNBA. The NBA refs are making more than WNBA players. And so the wage disparity there is huge. And it's really funny when you contrast that with the announcement of how well the jersey is, the orange uh, WNBA jersey is the top seller on Fanatics um, because they're getting exposure right now. So we often talk about, and it's a discussion in a lot of sports circles about why the WNBA doesn't get more love. And it seems at least part of the problem could be because they're not getting enough exposure. And as a subsidiary, basically, of the NBA, they probably need to be getting a little bit more of a handout from that branch. Now, that side is going to be feeling hurt for a little bit, and we'll get to that in a second. But that hasn't stopped. The point is that the WNBA has shown, or at least there's a, there's a room for growth if they were to get a little bit more camera time. How much will it affect it? Who knows? But if that if the merch goes like that, just from it being exposed, people being exposed to it, you should at least explore that before you start shutting down or trying to say that they just can't do it. So, staying in New York, we're going over to the Knicks side. Rumor has it, not a rumor at this point, it's pretty much confirmed. They are going to be signing Tom Thibodeau to a five-year deal, uh, formerly of the Chicago Bulls. This was happening. Um, got into it with management and ground a lot of players into the ground because he wore them out playing 40-some-odd minutes a game. Uh, he went to Minnesota, was GM and coach, and kind of did a lot of stuff. that just, He tried to get to the Minnesota Timberwolves. That didn't work out. And he found himself as an analyst for the past year plus. And now he will be landing in New York, which, listen, this might be a match. This might be what it was all about the entire time. A hard grinder like Dibs with the New York media. He won't care what they have to say. They'll love his hard-nosed style. They'll hate his hard-nosed style. He won't give a damn either way. And neither will they. Five-year deal. Horrible ownership. Horrible roster. Good luck to R.J. Barrett's knees. Good luck to Dennis or to Kevin Knox's knees. Dennis Smith Jr., you two. They're going to play some solid defense. They got like eight umpteen forwards. We'll see. It doesn't seem like it's going to gonna be a good fit but you know like it's just not a ready-made roster i would have figured he would go for a ready-made roster and this is far from that no matter how many power forwards you, you have to trade you're not gonna be able to make nothing out of this right now they could have the number one overall pick and they could pair rj bear with lamello ball but it doesn't look good right now and again even that is a rebuilding roster i just i never pictured Thibs with having a roster that wasn't at least close to competing for a championship and the knicks aren't even close this isn't even this isn't speculation or i'm sorry this isn't uh, um uh hate speech talking down on the new york knicks because i'm a bulls fan listen those rivalries are old school and pointless at this point but it's irrelevant because it the knicks just aren't good they, they haven't been good for like 40 years stop it just stop it. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't get it. Now, another person doesn't get it is David West. He questioned out loud on the twitters, uh, "What? How many times can somebody fail up?" In reference to Thibodeau going from again the Bulls to the to Bulls, getting that GM or president. I forgot his exact title, but he was running the show in Minnesota and now going to the Big Apple in New York. Um, I guess 
failing up is rel- is is relative. I get where he's coming from, and I I know what he means because it is a, it is going. He went from market three to having almost absolute power, and and even though it's a lesser market, he had absolute power with Minnesota to now going to market uh market one or market two. I don't care because they're not Chicago. That's how I get over not knowing that fact because I I always get them in L.A. mixed up. That's not the point. I think that's market one. Point is. How many times can somebody fail up? Meanwhile, Mark Jackson is struggling to get a job. Now, now, there's there's a lot of nuance that needs to be had here, and here's where we here's where we get into the, the thickets of things that you know we often tiptoe around, but we're going to talk about it right now just to settle it once for all. Dibs is a coach that I think probably should have gotten another chance. Uh, he was run out of town in Chicago. Fans are ready for him to go, but in hindsight, you know, you don't let fans dictate clearly because we don't necessarily know what the hell's going on. When you're not, uh, when you're not able to remove yourself from the emotion of everything, Minnesota was different. But I think he was trying to re- again recapture the glory that he had tried that he had kind of built in Chicago. But Minnesota, the the players mostly didn't have that kind of toughness. You saw what happened with Jimmy Butler once he got there. This could be a fit for Thibs. I, I like I said, I think again he's a good coach who deserved to have a job. Now to West Point though. Of their of, of minority coaches not getting that same opportunity, that, that is definitely an issue. Um, I'm not sure though. Mark Jackson is the the hill to die on there because, and this is not a knock on Mark Jackson or what it or what the message was in particular, just because of the circumstances that he's talking about. Now, Jackson, while with Golden State, if you know, he preceded Steve Kerr there and and pretty much laid the foundation for the defensive side of what they were doing. Uh, in Golden State now they weren't going to uh, he wasn't going to start Draymond at all but you know whatever the rest is history Kerr comes in with the offense whatever Mark Jackson reportedly said in the lot you know in the locker room one time no no gays in the locker room in my locker room meanwhile the owner was gay that's going to probably be a problem also we know the NBA is is one of the more progressive leagues the most progressive league probably out of all yeah no not even the maybe the most progressive league of the four major sports in the United States. And so this was not something that was taken lightly. And there's, I don't want to say it's a blackballing, but it's a silent, you know, blacklisting of, of, of Mark Jackson right now to where I don't know what he can do if he will. I think he probably he should for his basketball acumen and ability to coach a team. But I think that that's where it stems from. It's not necessarily from a, uh, from, from a coaching thing or, or wanting to keep him out is from him spewing, not spewing, that sounds so bad, from him uh, sharing his religious beliefs and and that intersecting in a negative way with his professional career. It's unfortunate and, and it probably shouldn't be happening the way that it's happening. Uh, there could be many ways to go about this to, to solve it, to resolve it, a discussion maybe between he and the owner, but Again, this isn't one of those where he just hasn't gotten a chance from, you know, he had a, a bum rap and there there were there are things behind this one that would lead you to think otherwise uh that you know, there are clear reasons why this person might not be. Now, there are other coaches who I think should should get some shots, but in this particular to to West comment in dealing with that in particular Mark Jackson is one that, while I agree he probably should get another chance, I'm not the one who's going to keep wondering out loud why he doesn't have a chance because I think we all know we can't keep acting like we don't know. Again, Wes is a former Mark Jackson player as well, so 
that's I believe. Damn, was that was it was was West with Golden State when when he when Mark Jackson was there? Was he in Indiana or was he in New Orleans? Oh, oh. Anyway, getting sidetracked here. The point is, I think Tibbs deserves it. I think David West is right that there needs to be more chances for minority coaches to come back and, and get a second shot at things. But it meant Mark Jackson might not be the best example of that in particular. So, uh, one of my favorite things that I need to talk about right now, because I'm going to forget about it if I don't talk about it, the Taco Bowl. Listen, with everybody, <laughs> with all of the craziness in this year, I don't even care who wins the championship at this point. I, I, I would love to see the LALA go on. That'd be great. But what I want to see, what I want to see is Denver versus Boston. And no, I don't care about seeing uh, Nikola Jokic and, and Jamal Murray and Paul Millsap and Michael Porter Jr., who should have been a bull, go up against the, the, the likes of Kimball Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Gordon Hayward. I, no, I don't care about that. It's not the point. The point is, there's a possibility, if we got this as a final, that we could see Bowl Bowl on the court at the same time as Taco Fall. I need the Taco Bowl. 7-5-7-2. One dude is out here ginormous, is larger than life. The other dude is out here pretty close to being larger than life and, and plopping threes. I need this. I, I need it right in my veins. Please. Please. Somehow let this this is the perfect year for it. This is the this is the only time that you can have this happen and nobody would question the flukiness of it, right? It's already fluky in nature. Now they've tried to pump it up as being the hardest and blah blah blah. Whatever. It's definitely the most the, the a, a very different situation. I'm not here to put difficulty on it. But what I will say is let's get freaky, man. Taco bowl. The taco bowl. Seriously, I need and listen. This is not just a, a novelty act. This is, there's some skill behind both of these guys. Uh, Taco has played six games in the NBA. He's only averaging three point two and one point eight, uh, but he's shooting 75 percent from the floor, thirty three percent from threes. Ugly, seventy five percent effective field goal. But his twenty nine games in the G League with eleven starts, he was averaging twelve nine eleven three three one. That's blocks, three blocks per game, shooting seventy percent from the floor, thirty eight. From the free throw line. Still not great, but an improvement. Now, again, everybody shoots better in the G League. That's fine. Point is, there's production to be had there. And again, the man is 7'5", 300 and some odd pounds. This is a big boy. Then you have Bowl Bowl. Bowl has not made it to the NBA yet. He was injured a lot. So, you know, eight games in the G League. But he is averaging 12 uh, points, 5'5", five, five boards, 2.1 blocks. However, there's some, some, some dips here, right? Not only is he not getting as many boards, his... Uh, field goal percentage is only 58%. He's shooting 36% from free throw line. I, I already hear it. Well, the raw numbers would suggest that Taco is the more dominant player. Yes, that's true. But we're talking about a team game, and you're not feeding Taco all the time. I mean, I guess you could. He's 75, 300 some pounds. Who's stopping him? Not many people stop. There's not, nobody's stopping him. stopping him, right? But when you figure he's got to defend on the other side, I want him, I want him to try to have to guard bowl out there on the perimeter, and my man is shooting uh, 36% from three. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't even give you his free throw percentage. That was from three. 36% from deep. He's knocking him down. And we saw him do it in the scrimmages. Came out with the six. Now, he's shot. He's still shooting him. He's not shooting him nearly as well the past couple of scrimmages, but he opened up with, what, six threes? Bowl Bowl shooting threes and Taco dominating down low. Damn it, I don't necessarily even want to see the Taco Bowl now in, the, in that way. I, I almost want to see it be them on the same team. Could you imagine that front court? 
you going against those two, just just go, just just you better be able to shoot the three because you're not doing anything at the rim. Seven five and seven two side by side. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, that'd be nasty. With KD playing three. Listen, now I'm getting carried away. I'm I'm getting into two K mode. But yeah, I need a taco ball in my life. I really need to see a little bit of uh of uh, taco fall and bowl bowl. Just please. I, I, I that's all I ask. It's not too much. <laughs> Lastly, um, real quick, gotta touch on this. The Bulls think they have a shot at Giannis. Now, we've been talking about this for a while too, that their plan is for a 2021 summer to have the money because Otto Porter's contract will be up and they'll only have, I believe, Zach's, who's the only major contract still going. Um, but they, they think that they'll have a shot at Giannis. To that, I say, <clears throat> because you still have Jim Boiling around and I get it. You know, the money is, uh, Reinsdorf's facing nine figure losses. And you have uh, all types of, of of worry going on with 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 salary cap going forward, but I'm not sure that holding on to boiling strengthens anything. I'm not sure that another year of trying to figure it out and mumbling about bumbling about with a team that looks like a bunch of spare parts is going to help you. You're trying to get Giannis to come to a completed team or a team that's ready for a superstar to slide into and complete. We'll see if they can do it this year. I'm more willing to give the roster a chance than boiling. And it looks like you're going to get boiling too. And that part's terrifying. Now you're saving money by not, by not uh, firing boiling. Does that mean you transfer that money to maybe perhaps, you know, purchasing a pick? This was something I saw suggested on the Twitter box Uh, with the uncertainty around the cap. There could be teams looking to trade a pick now, not trade a pick, excuse me, sell a draft pick, a first rounder, and the last time that we saw that was Rudy Gobert a few years back. Now, this is interesting because the Bulls are, as you know, are famous for selling their picks. Cash considerations is a, is a term that is used a lot uh, in just in Chicago to, and a lot of jerseys with cash considerations on it because the Bulls were just moving. Jordan Bell. Okay. Just Jordan Bell. Now, if the Bulls are saving money, and I know it's not happening because I just talked about how Ryan Joyce spoke of his nine-figure losses. But if you want to make a splash and you can't do it in free agency and you're going to save with one uh, money on firing your coach and have one of the cheapest coaches in the league, why not splurge a little bit and go ahead and buy a draft pick? Maybe you can buy a draft pick that gives you enough to package up and move up a little bit because I don't see anybody moving out of the lottery. But I think you can see some of those back-end draft picks move up. and Maybe that'll get you enough to move up a, a spot or two. I'm not sure. But it's very interesting, something to keep an eye on, because these are rumors and whispers that are growing louder, of, you know, with all the potential financial issues teams are facing, that that could be something uh, that could happen. And then you have the rumors about Zach Levine. Listen, there was a suggestion from an article out in New York that the Knicks and the Nets are both looking into a list of players that they could be trading for. And on that list was one Zach Levine because of his contract status, the the, the team-friendly nature of it, and the... Uh, the the situation with the Bulls and how the, he might view a potential second season with Jim Boylan. It's a paper from New York that listed a list of guys. Look, just listen to all that again. Nothing's concrete. This wasn't even really a rumor. It was kind of a, a, a thought bandied about by a writer, rightfully, because teams are exploring all types of possible scenarios and trying to better themselves. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's groundbreaking. But, you know, the overreaction on the social media networks is that, oh, my, you know, they're trying to move Zach. Zach's going to demand a trade. And what's he going to look like? Here are packages. And I participate because it's fun. But 
this ain't really that. And Zach has shown that he kind of wants to be here. I think the Bulls would be foolish to try to move on from the one guy who has performed consistently, at least for if there's nothing else, you know what you're going to get out of Zach Levine. You can't say that about a lot of the guys on the team, and I think that that should speak volumes because he's also your best player. Yeah. So don't go moving on from just because you want to go ahead and move on from him unless the, the, the offers knock his socks off. But even that's got to be, again, really good because I think Zach's a really good player. I've, I personally have said I think he'd be the perfect number two, but you need a superstar to get here. And you're doing everything you can and not do that. So, you know, if you're going to keep the coach, splurge a little bit, buy a draft pick, try to move up if you have to. Who knows? we got to see where everything falls and who's really willing to, to sell their draft pick. But... Yeah, man, I, I wouldn't hate seeing the Bulls. Even if it is a back-around pick, you never know. Kevin Porter went 30th last year. I like him as a player. Um, Bulls pass on a lot of guys. A lot of guys that they could have, you know, they probably won't be selling. Or they probably won't be buying any draft picks, though. That's, that's real. I, I, don't see them, I don't see them buying any draft picks. That's sad. It's sad. Because it's market three, and they, it's run very, very, very expansion market-ish. Very like, much like it. And I, I hate that. I hate that so much. I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to talk about the NFL. And, uh, yeah, look, they got their, their protocols in order, but some of their, their management is talking a little bit reckless. Yeah. Ah, we'll get into that in all, a little bit more. Don't go into triple field. Yeah. Back on triple zeros and switch it to the NFL. So, listen. Jamal Adams finally got his way out of New York. Prez has finally left the Big Apple, but he didn't go without a couple of, well, I guess leaving some, some, uh, leaving the wake. There's a little bit of choppy waters there. Uh, Jets GM Joe Douglas had to come out and, and defend himself, basically from the recent attacks from Adams saying that, uh, you know, he was promised a new contract and that he never kind of aired out Gates about how he handles the team and that he kind of lets other coaches handle things, doesn't address issues with players directly. Um, Joe Douglas says that he never promised Adams a new contract and that Adam Gase is the guy. So he also came out and said now to, to his credit or in defense, in his defense, he came out and said that Adams talk in public wasn't the reason behind his trade. Now that's what he said. Come on, fam. <laughs> um, realistically speaking, that's exactly what the hell it was. Not the point though. The point is, Douglas is saying that he never promised Adams a contract. Adams clearly thinks he was, and that's kind of the impetus for all this in the, in the first place, is that he thought he was promised a new deal that he didn't get. So um, Douglas doubling down on that, and not only that, but saying that Gates is the guy. Now listen, this is the part that's more confusing to me. I can see there being a mis uh, miscommunication on the contract front. Douglas came out and said some wild stuff about there's only been a couple of guys and listed some really, really standout players and said there was nothing they could do with with. Uh, Jamal Adams and whatever. That's not the point. Uh, Adam Gase is the guy? Since when? Like, where? I remember when he was with Denver and he was about to get a job. And it was during one of the broadcasts, one of the, the announcers literally questioned it on the air during a live game while Gase is calling it. Uh, he said, when he gets hired... You just wonder how much of what what he's getting hired based on is from Peyton Manning and how much of it is from his himself. Now, he had some solid years with Jace with Jace. Jay Cutler, he right, he got Jay to do some things. Um there were moments down in Miami 
But by and large, I, the offensive coordinator parts might be his his ceiling, but head coach has definitely been a stretch. That part's weird. I get it, though. It's Douglas's guy. He's got to kind of, you know, stand by him. But it's definitely definitely something to uh, to monitor because, I mean, what? Gase is the guy. You're going to lose a lot more players. Now, Le'Veon Bell came out with a tweet about either Adams or the ownership, but he wasn't happy about it. And you know who should be happy about it? Jets fans, at least for the immediate future, because they completely robbed the Seahawks. They got two first-round picks for a safety. Everything else in the package, Brandon McDougal went back uh, to New York. Two first-round picks. Two first-round picks for a safety. Now, uh, Adams joined in a list, a litany of Jets first-round picks that just haven't really made it, starting with uh, Quentin Copel's back in 2012. D. Milliner, Sheldon Richardson, Calvin Pryor, Leonard Williams, uh, Darren Lee, and Jamal Adams. Nobody made it past four and a half years. And that was Leonard Williams, who just got traded last year to the New York Giants. He, they, you're going so hard to not keep your own first round picture. Trade him to your, your in state rival, your, your across the hallway nemesis. It's horrible management. Now, on top of that, you got to look at the list of players who have been traded for two first-round picks. Laramie Tunsil, recently, Laramie Tunsil, Jalen Ramsey, Khalil Mack, and now Jamal Adams. So, there's a difference here. Two of these, I would say, were, were, I don't know about worth it, but they were much more valid trades than the other two. And the two, I think, should be fairly obvious, though, are Laramie Tunsil and Khalil Mack. Mack is... Costly now and looks worse the fact that the Bears traded two first round picks for him without a quarterback. But at the time, they thought they had that situated. And if they'd have taken the right guy and surrounded him with the right pieces, getting Mac would have looked like a boon. Laramie Tunsil had a little bit mixed results early on, but he kind of settled into his role there down in Houston after being traded from Miami. Uh, still penalized a lot, but. A guy that has cracked, I believe, the top 50 players in the NFL, which is a major step up for him and huge for the longevity of Deshaun Watson. You build from the inside out. Trading two first round for trench players, not going to fault you for that, especially if those guys are a left tackle and a pass rusher. That's smart business. Trading two for a cornerback or for a safety is completely ridiculous. I was long pushing for the Dallas Cowboys to go after Jamal Adams. Um, nah. Jerry, as usual, the shrewd businessman, very smart. I didn't think they would be able to get two firsts for him. I didn't think they'd be able to get a first for him, to be honest with you. But he had he has two more years of controllable two more years of controllability on his contract, his rookie contract. So yeah, I guess that's where you, that's the selling point. Two first round picks for for boy, Seattle, you better get it right. You better get you still don't have a pass rush. Seattle doesn't have a valid pass rush right now. I, and their offensive line is sketchy. Woo, that's a lot. You crippled them. I guess you can't worry about the next guy, but damn it, if I'm a Seattle fan, I'm a little bit nervous. Got to keep it real on that one. Got to be more than a little bit nervous because, I mean, ooh, that doesn't look good. Um, But as you can probably tell, the season so far for the NFL has uh, been scheduled to go on as normal. They have agreed that there will be no cap hit this year, but spread it out over future years. Remember the, the previous Report was that they wanted to shave uh, $35 million off of the cap this year. Uh, yeah, Ooh, that was going to be rough. <laughs> um, but they, they decided to not do one this year and spread it out going forward. That's what the players want. I believe it was the next four years following this one. But they also agreed to their testing protocols daily 
tests. You gotta register multiple tests before you can go in. Um, this has led to several decisions by players, including opt-outs. We kind of touched on it uh, last episode. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif has opted out. A couple of special notes about uh, Mr. Duvernay-Tardif. He is the Chiefs, that's right, Super Bowl Chiefs starting right guard. Not only that, he's also a medical doctor. Yeah, so um, in his letter to fans about why he was opting out, he cited that and saying that having been on the front lines, he can't go out here and risk his family and getting people sick. Uh, to go play football, even if it's a sport he loves. He said if he's going to risk getting sick and getting people sick, uh, he's going to try to do it while trying to basically sit himself. He didn't say getting people sick. See, that doesn't make sense. But he said if he's going to risk getting sick, he's going to do so helping people out in the front lines. It's very commendable and something that I think that uh, obviously puts him in a unique situation given his uh, his medical background. But very commendable, and I'm not sure there's a better answer uh, yeah, I got to go be a doctor. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be able to play football this year, guys. Now, the Chiefs, that's a blow from the Super Bowl champion team. They did do, didn't do did do too bad replacing him, though. They got a Coleccio assembly formerly of the Ravens and the Jets and the Raiders. Like, he's, he's been around, but he's a very solid offensive guard. Um, not Duvernay Tardif, but a solid replacement nonetheless and definitely could have done a lot worse. Um had this happen somewhere later in the year, in the offseason even. Uh, Dallas Cop- Dallas Cowboys cornerback Maurice Kennedy, and I don't know if I, listen, this is one of those names. There are a few names that I see, right, and I try my hardest to not butcher a name. This is one that throws me off. I want to say Kennedy, Kennedy, and I hope I'm not killing it, so I'm going to go with Kennedy. Sorry if I am. The Dallas DB is also opting out. They have a stipend for those players, six-figure stipend that they can take uh, in that case. Um, he's also joining it. Now, you contrast their decisions, mostly uh, Duvernay Tardif's description of what his his choice was with the statements of Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians. We've got to be careful. The players, they're going to all get sick. That's for sure. It's just a matter of how sick they get. Yeah. Now, what made... What makes Arian's comments so interesting is that this was in an article about how he's planning to deal with it as a three-time cancer survivor and an older statesman, an older gentleman. That's the quote that you got out. That's classic BA. You might not like it, and it might not be as nuanced as the NFL would like it to be or how they even have uh, planned to go about it, but it's very blunt and to the point and kind of puts the problem right there in front street. As Duvernay Tardif just said, you're risking getting sick. Well, BA is telling you, you're going to get sick. All those concerns about the long-term health effects are not as uh, far-fetched or as, you know, uh, uh, minuscule now when a doctor's telling you that he's choosing to go and risk his sickness elsewhere. Now, that's not going to stand for every player, but with BA saying that, you know, you guys are going to get sick. I mean, I, I guess you kind of assume that anyway with the NFL not taking the precautions of the NBA. But that can't feel great to hear, right? That's not a good sign to have. And again, it's an article about him talking about his prep as a three-time cancer survivor, and that's not the wildest part that came out of it. Like, that's that was incredible to me. So um, you, the, the DuVernay-Tardy-BA contrast is, is, is a case study in the decision that these guys are making right now. 
without the protection that the NFL that the NBA has for the NFL, it's 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 really a uh, quite the quite the endeavor for these players to undergo, knowing that they are risking their health and the long term effects, which we are still finding out about. So, just just quite the contrast and quite and something that kind of struck me as as one of those mm, moments, you know what I mean? Because it just kind of encapsulated encapsulated the entire argument in just those two guys and how this whole thing is being handled. Wrapping up, we're going to talk about the Bears. And there's been a lot of pieces going on. I think it's just like beat up on the Bears time because it's it's low-hanging fruit. But they recently traded uh, Adam Shaheen to the Miami Dolphins for a seventh-round pick. This is Ryan Ryan Pace's second round pick from 2017. That is the draft that brought Mitchell Trubisky. And that draft is not looking great right now. Uh... And we're gonna get to. I'm gonna get to this more in my article for last word on pro football. Uh, Pace's draft record and how it stacks up. But I got an illustration about the players that he's acquired. And there's a ten and ten, hits and misses. His hits: Akeem Hicks, uh, a fine that he brought over with him from New Orleans. Uh, Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson, Allen Robinson, who he signed from Jacksonville, who's had to deal with some of the worst quarterback play the league has seen. Uh, Eddie Goldman. Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, uh, Tara Cohen, Adrian Amos, Cody Whitehair. Those are all hits. Those are solid hits. Amos got a a contract with the rival Green Bay Packers. And now talk shit about the Bears. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, On the misses, you got Mitchell Trubisky, Kevin White, Mike Glennon, Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, Cody Parkey, Leonard Floyd, Pernell McPhee, Marcus Cooper, Eddie Royal. Now, Marcus Cooper wasn't really that expensive, so I'm not going to really be mad about it. Um, Eddie Royal. Didn't Jay want Eddie Royal? They were trying to help Jay out, so I, I get the logic behind that one. Uh, Cody Parker, for all the faults, was the leading scorer in that playoff game that he ended up double-doinking us out of. Um, Mike Linden was a one-year deal. I don't know what they wanted him to do with that money. I don't. That, that, I mean, that that was maybe don't start the, the rookie on the bench and have Mike Linden try out there for the first whatever game, but other than that, eh, I'm not going to be too mad about it. The Burton and Shaheen things are that was supposed to be the reclamation for the tight end position, and we're doing it again a couple of years later. That's sad. Leonard Floyd was around for way too long. I had forgotten though about Pernell McPhee. I remember that signing thinking to myself, I don't even know why you spend big money on a guy who doesn't put up big sack numbers. Right? There was it was the Raven system, and they were saying that the best for him was yet to come, but he still wasn't putting up those kind of totals and wasn't that kind of a pass rusher. He was the effort kind of an all-around guy. That's not a guy that you go out and spend big money on in free agency. You draft those guys, develop those guys, but you don't spend that money. And then we find out that he has uh, issues with his knee, degenerative knee issues. Like, damn, <laughs> that was a really bad siding. And as I go into the article, and I'm, I'm I'm handling draft uh, in the article that I'm writing for last word, but the free agency stuff has been rough. Now his saving grace has been they're typically more one year deals than anything, and even if they're multiple years, it's like uh, like there's outs or most of it's front loaded, so he can get out of it with not much of an issue. But it's not a good look, and it's really bad when you frame it up with that. You know he came over with a reputation for having a good eye for talent. Woof. When you, I mean, that first round draft record is insane. Now the depth is good, and so maybe he's better in that capacity. But oh my gosh, and the procedure to how we got to a couple of this, for one pick in particular, 
not good. <laughs> Definitely not good and something that I hope uh improves. Well, I, I look, I don't I don't I don't think he'll get another shot. I gotta be honest with you. I think this I I've been on the record saying I'm thinking I think they can look better, but they won't win enough games and maybe that saves his job. But it don't look good from where I'm sitting and I hope I'm wrong. You always gotta frame put that on there because people think that you're just rooting for the team to lose, which makes no sense. I'm a Bears fan. I want them to win. Not too enthused about the moves that they've made and how it's gonna play out for this season. So that's gonna do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Follow me on Twitter, Joshy Buck, hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com, email address, clockersports at gmail.com. Uh, read the stuff, pivoting last word for football.com, and of course, clockersports.com. So the very next time, I'm gone. That's the